0: Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiadis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about a sheriff welcomes people to Florida, Sam Sorbo, actress, author of Words for Warriors and other great books, and a talk radio host, joins me, and the Chauvin jury has spoken. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned.
1: Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry.
0: Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Obviously, moments after the show ended yesterday, the jury in Minneapolis came back with a verdict in the, in the prosecution of police officer Derek Chauvin. I'm going to address that situation later, a little bit today and more next week, but I will address that later in the show. I want to dedicate something in the first five, just is something I planned to do before I realized how the, what the timing would be of the Chauvin verdict. And that is, we've been talking a great deal in the show about how in Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis has been showing just kind of amazing leadership. He has been strong in uh, dealing with so many issues that other governors have wobbled on or some have gone very leftist, very big government on. He has really uh, been just a shining example of someone who stands up for the freedom of the individual, uh, protects law and order, protects the uh, safety of the people, but insists upon the idea that people in Florida and frankly in America are supposed to be guaranteed certain individual rights and protections. He's very quick to protect uh, those rights. One thing in particular he signed off on a couple of days ago was a new piece of legislation. It was anti-riot legislation. And obviously, if you watch the news at all in the last year, we've seen riots throughout the major cities in America uh, arising out of the George Floyd incident in Minneapolis and many other incidents. But we have had riots, property destruction, uh, murder, theft of all sorts of property belonging to uh, private property, Uh, homes destroyed, businesses destroyed. Uh, Rioting has really been, uh, has just been a huge problem in 2020 and into 2021. So Governor DeSantis signed an anti-riot bill basically saying, you know what, we are going to permit people to have their First Amendment right to freedom of speech and freedom of assembly. We are not going to have riots here. So there was a great clip, there is a uh, sheriff Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd uh, gave some remarks at a press conference during which this anti-riot legislation was being introduced, and I want to just have you hear what he had to say. Okay, even his name is pretty great. Grady Judd sounds like a guy who should be a sheriff. Anyway, well, here's what he had to say uh, in Florida in this press conference discussing the anti-riot legislation now signed into law by Governor DeSantis.
1: I've got something I want you to see. This is what we enjoy in Florida. This is the Florida we know and love. This is what our governor, our speaker, our president, this is what all these law enforcement officers and administrators and sheriffs and police chiefs and their officers do every day. They guarantee an environment where you can come here and have fun. Heck, you can even have more fun. Here's another picture. This is the Florida we know and love. We're a special place. And there are millions and millions of people who like to come here. And quite frankly, we like to have them here. So we only want to share one thing as you move in hundreds a day. Welcome to Florida. But don't register to vote and vote the stupid way you did up north, you'll get what they got. (laughs) There's a reason that this place is fun. There's a reason why we have a 49-year low crime rate. And the same people that don't think we should have an anti-rioting bill or a rioting bill are the same ones that think we ought to let more people out of prison. And where they're doing that, as the governor and our speakers have alluded to, crime goes up. But it's not just crime that goes up. Victimization goes up. The people in those states are hurt and killed and their livelihoods changed and their children are changed.
0: Okay. in addition to that, those are comments he made. He also made the comment, which is really funny. I didn't get this, but he made the comment, you know, about people who saying about the bill, well, how do we know if it's rioting? Maybe we're just have, you think, you know, we think we're peaceably, assembled, you call it rioting. He said, we can tell the difference, and I'll guarantee you that you'll be able to tell the difference if you come here and riot. Similarly, and in closing out today's First Five, uh, Governor DeSantis had a great uh, a short comment I want to share with you. In Florida, we take an unapologetic stand for the rule of law and public safety we're holding those who incite violence in our communities accountable, supporting our law enforcement officers who risk their lives every day to keep us safe and protecting Floridians from the chaos of mob violence. He also went on to say, we're also putting an end to the bullying and intimidation tactics of the radical left by criminalizing doxing and requiring restitution for damaging memorials and monuments by rioters. I'm telling you, Governor DeSantis is standing on a pedestal in the minds of millions of Americans because he's actually saying these are not radical things, these are not wildly uh, stern, overly uh, robust demands for law and order. This is sane America. This is actually the America most people want and most people expect to find. Even in blue states, most people do not want to live with the violence that all of us are watching. So this was a great uh, timing of this statement, great timing of this press conference. I'll wrap up the first five by saying this. In America we've had a very tough last year, year plus. The ending of the trial in Minneapolis yesterday is not going to be the ending of the trouble in America because the left isn't going to let it be the end of the trouble. I happen to think the conviction was probably appropriate, I'll get to this later, but What all of us can begin to learn about this is the left was not really about just justice. They're about using instances like that to create and foment tension in our country, division in our country. We'll talk more about that later, but most Americans want exactly what Governor DeSantis and the state of Florida are doing, which is basically affirming we in America simply want to have law and order and a safe community. We wanna have people with the freedom to speak up, to protest, to have assemblies, uh, have peaceable assemblies and have their freedom of speech, but they're really tired of the rioting and violence, and every red state governor, and frankly blue state governor, ought to take a page out of, do- of Governor DeSantis's decisions and do similar things in their state. American, the vast majority of Americans, want their country back. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. I mentioned the star of the show. We have a really, really fun guest joining us. Uh, Her name is Sam Sorbo. She is an actress. Many of you, um, if you were tuned in last week, you may happen to recall we interviewed, I had the great pleasure of interviewing her husband, Kevin Sorbo, last week. She's on with us this week. And she is a just kind of a... she's an amazing, amazing person in many ways. I want to show you, um, she and her husband have written books together. She's written books. She's an actress. She is an author. Uh, She's a homeschooling mom. Uh, A a newer book they have, Kevin and Sam Sorbo, is called True Faith. There it is right there. Um, And her newest book, which we are going to be talking about, is Words for Warriors, is really, really clever. Words for Warriors, subtitle being what it means to be an american fight back against crazy socialists and the toxic liberal left but the book i want to start out that she wrote uh, wrote i want to start out talking about i only have here on my ipad it's called they're your kids a personal journey from self-doubter to Homeschool advocate so without further introduction i'd like to greet you and welcome you to the show sam sorbo
2: well thanks so much for having me i can't believe my husband beat me here <laughs>
0: I know, it's so unfair, so unfair. He was actually very, we had a lot of fun talking to. He was really a very, I'm sure you are too. He's done a lot of interviews, very relaxed, very just happy to talk. So I will tell you that um, I, I love following you too. I think you have an amazing life. I, you've had uh, acting together and, um, and actually, and you live in Florida now, right? But we you do. In,
2: yeah. We do and our, our governor is bringing it, he's making a big move and um, uh, he was just over at uh, uh, Mar-a-Lago with President Trump uh, doing a, an event and there were a lot of photos about that. And yeah.
0: Oh, a lot of photos about, um, are we looking at the future? Yeah, speculation about the future of politics. Well. I mean, honestly, I'm in Texas and for many years in Texas, of course, we always say we're the ones, we're the leaders of liberty. And we've kind of come in second place, at least as of, as of this time, in contrast to Governor DeSantis. We haven't had the bravery with respect to the treatment of COVID, uh, regulations about COVID. It's a little tougher here, although we're still doing way better in Texas than, of course, many blue states. Well, there's so many things we could talk about. I want to start, though, because I think it's an amazing, a person uh, of your life, adventures, all that you've done, that you are now a homeschool mom. And I want to understand, honestly, I I will tell you, I grew up in New York and all East Coast school. I had no vision of homeschooling until we came to Texas. And I met some really cool ladies who were homeschooling their kids. I I just could not believe, it just seemed so hard to do. But I would love to have you just tell why it is you went from, and when you probably have a lot of choices in in your education uh, choices for your kids, you went to home school. I'd love to have you tell that story.
2: Well, I mean, it, it is featured in my book. There, your kids. Um, the story really starts with my my son who was in second grade, and the the school was letting me down. They just weren't accomplishing what what I thought they should be accomplishing. Uh, so I, I don't want to tell. I don't want to drag it out too long. But there were a couple of things that really got my, just got my interest peaked to To try something else because they've, they kept failing. They failed uh, on several different counts. And so I just finally gave up on them. And I said to Kevin, honestly, I think if I fail at homeschooling him, he'll still come out ahead. That's how low the bar was for me. And we had moved to this community because the schools were that good. They were the best public schools in this county or whatever. And so I started with homeschooling it's been over 10 years now. And, um, and I will say that I've learned so much about really what's wrong with our entire education system that we don't think about education in the right way at all. In fact, they've redefined the word education for us. So we no longer have a good working definition of education. And that sort of then speaks back to the fact that you and so many like you are under this impression that oh my gosh, education's so hard, I could never do it. I could never do that with my kids. But really, the definition of education is learning something well enough to teach it. It's really not that hard. And so, if you think about that, and you go, "You're you're a high school graduate. What you're you feel incapable of teaching a third grader? That's ridiculous, <laughs> right? Sure it is. Yeah, but actually, you know the
0: Where we are now in American education, it is uh, one thing if schools fail a particular child because they're not able to hone in on and figure, why is he or she having a hard time learning this? How could I help adjust this to make things better? But we're really seeing the schools becoming indoctrination centers. And you've spoken eloquently about that many times, where the mindset of the school is not to inform your kids about facts and topics they should understand, like math and chemistry. But to really indoctrinate them, I lo- and I I think it's an enormous problem in America. I'd love to have you talk about your your sense of that. How how problematic is it, and how extreme is it in our public schools today that kids are kind of being indoctrinated toward Marxism?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, of course, we have Marxism that's run all the way through our edu- our our higher education institutions, and now, of course. Our teachers have been taught Marxism and how to teach Marxism in the classroom. And then of course we have Common Core, which has virtually taken over our classrooms. And forgive me, but if if you think that you don't have Common Core in your school, you're mistaken because they all adopted Common Core. It cost a ton of money. All the textbooks were redone, not all, okay? I'm, I'm speaking in generalities. So in general, the, the textbooks embraced Common Core, and then when some school districts said, oh, we're gonna opt out, we don't want Common Core, they took the sticker off the front, okay? So there's a lot of, there's a lot of very bad things. In fact, um, some friends of mine in Texas, actually, are organizing a thing called SICK, um, uh, Stop Indoctrinating Our Children K-12, S-I-C-K, Uh, And if you go online and you look for the sick SICK videos on YouTube, you will see some of the tremendous pornography that's in our classrooms today and other things that are really child abuse that are taking place in the classrooms. Now, Debbie, I always issue the caveat. I don't go after teachers. I think teachers, by and large, are wonderful people, and they're trying to be helpful but they are caught in a system now that is so perverted that if you graduate the system, you feel incompetent. What kind of an education is that where you feel incompetent when it's done? And I just have to point to the test results. The test results are abysmal. We are now testing lower than 27th in the world. We're the United States of America, I'm sorry. We spend more money per student than any other country save, I think, Switzerland and yet we're 27th in the world or lower? That's absurd. Uh, It is absurd, and you know what's related
0: to that, and it's, um, I won't go off on the Chauvin trial, but part of what has happened in our country, we've had some of the teachers' unions who are in part, uh, a big part of the problem, and the kind of leftist indoctrination enter our school system, so we spend a lot of time talking about uh, America as though it's a bad country, America as though there's something inherently wrong, no, I mean, of course, America is imperfect as every country is, but inherently wrong with the foundational ideas of America, inherently wrong with the idea of freedom and free markets. And we've had this, um, and, then, and then critical race theory has made its way into the schools. And parents, I think, found out a lot over this last year as COVID came along and they had, they were forced to homeschool, how much of schooling seemed like indoctrination. And I'm especially troubled. I'd love to hear your views if you uh, want
2: to show them about the critical race theory invading public schools. Well, yeah, so a critical race theory basically forces the child to focus on race, which is anti anti-racist it's actually pro-racist if you focus entirely on somebody's race and that's what they're asking these teachers to focus on and the children to focus on they also have uh, they've put in this emotional based learning which of course is another absurdity they're doing everything that they can to not educate in fact they're doing the opposite of education so education used to be the pursuit of truth beauty and goodness what are they teaching in schools there is no objective truth That's the opposite of education. There is no beauty except in the eye of the beholder, it's whatever you think it is. That's the opposite of education, goodness, well, it's up to the person, what, how do I feel today? What's, what's good for me right now? That's the opposite of education. And so that's what we have in our schools today, sadly. And yes, I think a lot of, a lot of parents were exposed to that. The problem is overcoming their trepidation because they learned in school everything that they couldn't do. Remember, when, you, when you're sitting in school, the one thing that you that, remember what you have to do before you ask a question? You must ask permission to ask a question. That's why nobody's asking questions today, because we were all, we're so obedient that we that we remain quiet until we're called upon. We don't wanna be wrong, which of course is the opposite of education. And education seeks, as somebody who wants to be educated, seeks to not necessarily be wrong, but is not afraid of being wrong because it's in our mistakes that we learn. And so so we've we've ingrained a whole bunch of this sort of anti-education nonsense inside of ourselves very difficult to break out of that of course that's my mission is to empower parents to home educate it's not nearly as hard as you think it is and it's so much more rewarding than you could ever dream uh but it is an uphill climb for them but that's part part of why i did my book words for warriors is to now speak to the parents and have them understand that they co-opted our language so it's not just the word education for instance the word fascism Fascism means left wing, It's everything. it has everything to do with uh, communism and socialism and Marxism and progressivism and all of those, right? And yet somehow they've perverted that word so that we think that there is something called right wing fascism, that it actually exists. It doesn't exist.
0: Amen to that. I am going to get into your book. I love your book. And actually, one reason I enjoy it is it's really fun to read. I mean, you can read a page or two. It isn't like some books where you're anyway. It's, it's very fun to read.
2: Well, there's but a I lot of it. sarcastic humor in the book, too. I can't help myself.
0: Which is very healthy. That's OK. But I'm going to go on last thing about public schools. I think that the other thing that happened, I know I may be dating myself by saying this, but uh, during uh, some portion of our uh, my growing up life, in elementary school we were in elementary school in pennsylvania outside of philadelphia and we actually used to say in public school we did the pledge of allegiance and the lord's prayer in public school every day everyone just said it sat down move on and i thought that was true everywhere and obviously then the decisions came along and this occurred after the supreme court said you can't do that but anyway i want to get at the notion that the public schools have somehow uh Twisted, And again, I agree with you, Sam. It's not the teachers, many wonderful teachers, but teachers' unions, the curricula. They, they are not just not teaching religion. They are twisting. <laughs> they, they are teaching kids not to accept
2: faith. So I'd love to have you just address that. Careful, yes. We, we didn't remove religion from the schools. We removed Christianity and Judeo-Christianity and the Judeo-Christian ethic. And we yes. replaced it with a religion called secular humanity or irreligion, uh, which is atheism combined with agnosticism. They combine the two so it, me- so it sounds like there are more of them than there are. Um, and these are people who, uh, rather than denying the existence of God, I think that that really is a little bit of a chimera. I think that they believe in God, but they believe they are God. And that's what we're up against now. We're, we're, we, we have a battle with people who believe that they should have the power to determine what gender they are. Or to, to, to determine for your child, what gender your child is. Or to determine for your child, whether the, your child should kill a baby or carry it to term. Uh, the, and and this, is, this is the sort of the, the, um, the attitude that is now permeated and we have to be very careful. And so you, you, we as parents, we have young kids, we're thinking, well, the school, that's how I grew up. That's just the way it's done. And we bring our kids to school and we literally turn our children over to complete strangers. And for some reason, we still have faith that the same government that gave us the DMV is going to be able to educate our children effectively in a group setting with a mass of other kids running around. Like, if you really think it through, it defies logic. And yet, because we are so programmed and so conditioned, we just step right on that treadmill, sign me up, here's my kid, I hope he turns out okay. And when the (laughs) children come home, and the children are like questioning your authority, well, it's only because when you drop them off at school, you gave the school the authority and you told the child, the school has more authority than I do, they know better than I do, so you have to listen to them now
0: absolutely and your point about uh driving religion out to be precise it is really this notion that there is presented a moral equivalency of all ideas there's not one thing that is truth there's not truth there's just kind of his truth her truth the truth of this and and so pretty soon the whole concept when you're at home teaching your children your christian faith and 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 your belief in god and what you understand to be true about that, that is heard by them in the because they've been hearing at at school all about how well there's no thing is truth i mean there are truths
2: right. it's just another opinion they weigh in right and the bible is a collection of fairy tales and yeah. um, everybody you know and, and god is a god is silly and darwinism is true survival of the fittest is the law of the land and oh by the way don't bully <laughs> survival of the fittest but don't bully not you i mean there's there's so many contradictions But here's the big one, is anything that the school says with the secular humanist worldview that contradicts you with your Christian or Jewish worldview, you lose because you're not there and you've told the child the school has the authority, they know what they're doing.
0: Oh yeah, a- absolutely true. It is an amazing thing. So you're really, I understand now. I do want to get your book, but you're really out there encouraging most parents to embrace the idea. You could, you can
2: all educate your kids at home. Is, is that of your mission is your mission right now? That's my stand. Uh, and, and, you know, I get challenged on, well, what about blah, blah, blah. Don't, don't bring me the one-offs, the exceptions yeah. to the rule. The rule is, and it's biblical, the parent is responsible for the education of the child. And by the way, that's what the states hold too. So every time a parent has come and sued the school for not teaching their child to read, they've lost every single time because those courts rule, it is still the parent's responsibility. So you parents out there, you think that you're delegating responsibility. You're actually not. You're hoping that the school gets some education in your child and you're hoping that your child doesn't get left behind And in fact, you have no idea how your child learns, if your child learns in accordance with the way that things are being taught or not in accordance with the way things are being taught, whether your child will learn, won't learn, whether if your child struggles with the way things are being taught, they will then brand themselves as stupid or dumb or slow or, you know handicapped in some way you just don't know you're really rolling the dice and so i really want to encourage parents it's so much easier than it used to be even there's so many different options especially now with covid for for getting your child an education and by education i don't mean hundred percent on the sats i mean engendering in your child the the innate curiosity to learn and to be able to teach themselves anything at any time and that's really the mark of a true education is that, that facility of mind to be able to learn anything that they want. Um, and so I'm, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to get across to parents these days because we really don't understand what education is. We think it's just memorizing a bunch of facts and regurgitating them on the test. And that's part of socialism and that's why we're in the mess that we're in today because we haven't learned what we haven't learned the unique uh, nature of this nation. We haven't learned what freedom really means. We haven't learned so much of the things that we ought to have been engaged in discussions of in school. Instead, we were focused on learning for the test. And God bless the teachers. They're just trying to keep their jobs and do what the what the system tells them is the best thing for the child. But the best thing for the child is not necessarily just memorizing a bunch of facts and being able to regurgitate them on the test because what does that teach the child? It teaches the child how not to think. Exactly,
0: how not to think, right repeat back what you're told and that critical reasoning critical thinking skill is vital for kids to have okay on to your book i'll tell my happy listeners again um, this is called words for warriors fight back against crazy socialists what it is my very fine uh, friends and listeners it is just a uh, a book that starts the letter a goes through the alphabet and it defines terms and so i'm in the c's because the one one example i wanted to hit on which was so brilliant the way it was done was the definition of the word crusades. And so crusades, uh, you know, I didn't know this literally, and I'm pretty well educated, and I read a lot, and I did not know until relatively recently in my life, I mean literally like the last 10 years, the truth about the crusades. And so what this book does, it has the word, on this example has the word Crusades. And this is Sam Sorbo's book. And so it you know, it starts out in noun, and it's, it's beginning by talking about um, fighting about the holy wars and uh, pointing out that for many years, all of us were taught that the Crusades were an evil set of uh, intolerant Christian wars foisted on uh, innocent people, foisted on Muslims and other Christians, all because the Christian faith was so aggressive, so brutal and violent, that we attempted to just force Christianity in the world by engaging in the Crusades. That's what I thought. And I even said, I mean, I, I, I am a true, serious reader of things. So back to Sam, Well she does in her book, so Crusades, she has this holy war. she defines, she has quotes from various, uh, including various uh, popes talking about it and uh finally gets around to talking about the real story what the crusades really were and so sam i mean i'm gonna let you tell it because i thought it was just a it's a fabulous example of what a great job your book does what the crusades really were
2: were right because because frankly that's what people so you know for a while i've been saying now there it, there are no right-wing fascists and you know there's a narrative that's out there that's a, that's a lie that says well you know there's violence on the, on both ends of the spectrum. No, there's not. There's left-wing violence. There is no right-wing violence. Well what about the Capitol Hill riots and protests? The, those are still being investigated. We still don't have all the answers for that but I'll tell you this much if there were uh, if there were Trump supporters who who had done any violence, you would know their names by now. <laughs> so oh, yeah. Right. So so what and somebody actually somebody reached out and said, well, what about the because I I have a video out there talking about this. What about the KKK? Sure. Those were the Democrats. What do you what do you want from me? (laughs) I can't help you with that. So so typically people go all the way back to the Crusades and those very violent Christians. The Crusades were actually retaliation for the tremendous. Uh, 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 massacres and uh, uh, attacks that the Muslims had implemented into the Christian world. Now the Christians did go out and proselytize, they were missionaries, and they converted people, but typically not by violence, because when you convert somebody by violence, typically it's not that successful. (laughs) Uh, So the Crusades were basically to, to liberate the Christians and the Jews who were living under Muslim rule which was rule that said that if you're a christian or a jew you either need to convert or pay a tax or die
0: yeah actually very very true and there have been numerous books written about this now in our modern era because this is an example of something in history i don't think most students in america certainly in my generation or my children's generation ever learned this ever learned that the crusades were actually the christians pushing back against
2: islamic aggression numerous great books have Trying to have... liberate they were wars of liberation right and right? yet we don't we don't learn that but there's so much that we don't learn because and especially now with critical race theory we're focusing on uh, we're focusing on the 1619 project which which says that um, the united states is 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 uh, basically um, irredeemably racist, founded on slavery, which is a uh, complete lie. And in fact, uh, little known fact, first slave owner in the United States was a black man uh, who bought, uh, who had an indentured service, a servant and refused to free him and turned him into a slave. Um, but that's not the history that they're learning. And so it's very one-sided and uh, it's worse than one-sided, really. it's It's indoctrination to foment hatred against the United States of America, which is a very dangerous thing because this is where freedom lives. This is where freedom resides.
0: It is, America has been, as I say, I mean, this show, um, I can't remember, I actually, for our listeners, I met Sam in Florida at a conference a few months ago. And in the course of talking about my show, I was saying, you know, my show is, literally all it's dedicated to is preserving America. Unique, extraordinary experiment in human liberty that is America based on the founding documents, based on the ideas of America, the notion, the declaration that we each have rights from God simply because we're born and we have rights to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. That's what my show is about. And so a lot of wanting to defend America, speak up for America, try to preserve America does require pointing out how many lies float out, float around in the political conversation in America about America and this talk,
2: idea, go ahead. I just, wanna, I just wanna touch briefly on that because I was talking about this idea that it's irredeemably racist, right? And even uh, Hillary Clinton, when she called half of Trump supporters deplorable, the next word that she used was irredeemable. And one thing yep. that you have to understand is the left, because the left doesn't worship God, the, the father, they worship themselves, they decide if forgiveness is part of their their game. And it isn't. And so you'll find this idea of irredeemableness uh, as or unforgiveness as, as a major tenet, right? And that's why we're living in the cancel culture today is because something that you did 10 years ago, even if you've made all kinds of reparations and you've apologized and you've done things that clearly show that you've evolved since there, it's funny because this is the crew that believes in evolution, um, but not for humanity, uh, apparently. you know, uh, They refuse to forgive. And there is no forgiveness. And the nation, our nation is founded on forgiveness because it used to be that if you were born into a certain caste, a certain class, you couldn't escape that. That's just, that's who you were. It was very racist in a sense that if you were born into poverty, you, you that's where you were stuck because you were a poor person and that's the, right? The, we have the opposite story. There's forgiveness for everything, and you can rise above your status. You can rise above your standard uh, that you were born into. And that's the beauty of America. But instead, we've got the left telling us, no, no, America is, is, is terribly hideous. There's no redemption for it. There's no way to resolve it. And we're stuck. Well, wh- wh- where are we gonna go? What are we gonna do? You know, these, these people who are teaching this, I just have to ask them, where is it better? Find me another yes. nation, and if they say, if they one more time tell me Scand- some Scandinavian nation, oh, really, another nation that's 98% white, that's where yeah. it's better, <laughs> check yourself. Very good point, very good point. You know, Sam, we could talk about your your other books, your films. There
0: are so many more things I'd love to talk with you about, but we're, I know we're past the time we committed to it, and I'm so grateful you could be with us. I do want to urge our listeners, this is a great book to actually buy for your friends who aren't super oh, yes. political, and and who can just read it without it as I say you read a few pages at a time you don't get lost in the plot or i mean you i mean it's a it's just it's alphabetical and the explanations are straightforward kind of telling you what the left and um kind of the media tries to define yeah. terms to mean and what they really are what they really are there it's just a really really uh, thoughtful but you know what wh- it's
2: it's fun. It's I, you know, I yeah. wrote it with a tongue in cheek. Um, it's serious, but it's also fun because I one of the terms in the book is happy warrior. And I believe that we ought to be happy warriors. We're fighting for truth. And so I want to share the truth with people. There are a lot of lies out there right now. And we all know it, right? And we're afraid to talk about the lies that are out there. But I've got a lot of the truth in this book. And so this will help you sort of formulate your arguments and, um, and it'll, and by the way, it did hit number one on Amazon. Shh, don't tell them. They, I guess they don't know yet (laughs) because they (laughs) haven't taken it off. But if you don't want to go on Amazon, you can go to samsorbo.com and I'll send you a copy. You can buy it there.
0: That is great, too. That was my very last question is, I know a lot of my listeners don't want to play with Amazon anymore, and I do understand and appreciate that. So samsorbo.com, you can get this book. Actually, all of your books are so thoughtful. So this one, I I actually, I think, have more at home, but this is ones I could find. True Faith, with you and your husband, uh, it's called True Faith, Embracing Adversity to Live in God's Light. And I think you all have, isn't there a movie coming out this fall or fairly soon that you, and you, did you work with your husband on?
2: Is I that did, right? so... I, we, we produced it together, and it's a comedy, and I'm very excited to be able to bring it out. It got it got stuck in COVID jail. It's called Miracle in East Texas. Yeah, you you can go to sorbofamilyfilmstudios.com, sorbofamilyfilmstudios.com, if you want any information on that film, and uh, yeah, there's lots more to come. Okay, I just, first of all, you are so much fun to
0: talk to. Thank you so very much for taking time and joining me today. And thank you for just all you do. You make, you give the world things to watch and listen to and read and think (laughs) about. So thank you for all you do and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Okay, my very fine friend. You should get all these books, they're they're really fun. I wanna hit, so I I told you in the show today, before I get to my last topic, I wanna spend a moment talking about membership on this show. And the reason I wanna do that is this. if you haven't listened before, I will quickly tell you that my show is Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. It's always live. We started now Thursday only, one day a week, Thursday only. It is a show for members only. And the reason is, uh, there's several reasons we did it. One is that the, um, you know, this kind of show is, uh, it, we have poured our families, you know, we spent our children's inheritance, we poured our family's resources into this show, uh, because, and it's entirely about, as you just heard me telling Sam Serbo, entirely about saving America. That's what my show is about. It's about speaking up to, to defend the extraordinary, unique greatness of America to try to, to fight to preserve it. And so we have put a lot into it. I want to keep doing this show for a very, very long time, but it is expensive, and so we, and we have not had, we have had a very generous sponsor, we've not had advertisers, And I hit on this idea of having a membership uh, because it was something that we could do for for everyone who wants to be involved one day a week. And the basic thing is on the Thursday show, the only way to watch the show, I'll tell you what's unique about the Thursday show, the only way to watch it is on our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org. You go to that website, into the members section, you can watch the show live. So Thursday is not out there on YouTube or Facebook or all the other places it goes out. It's just on our website and it involves more of an american political conversation a family conversation it's A Q&A back and forth we have a small in-studio audience people come to the studio we have a guest there and we do the show live and people can send in email questions ahead of time they can ask questions in the studio we literally pass the microphone around asking questions and the whole point is to have more of a conversation, to feel like we are listening to each other and talking about the issues that face America. So that's what the membership thing is about. I made some slides and sent them to Matt because I get questions and I thought this might be an easy way for you to get a hold of the information. So. On the, how to join America Can We Talk and why, and so I want to tell you to start with that we um, you can see what I put up on the slide. But a membership plan is simple, it's inexpensive, patriotic, and fun. Um, and as you can see, as you're looking at it, um, we to join you just go to that link. It's my website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org, and at um, at that uh, website, you click on Members, very top, and the right across the home page on the top, and the tabs hit Members, and and then uh, open pops open. You can hit Join Now. Um, um, so, sorry, let me try and do this one thing. Okay, and so follow the instructions. Choose either five dollars a month or fifty dollars a year membership plan and then you all you do you choose that you pay the credit card five dollars a month or 50 a year choose your username your email and a password and please try to hold on to your password so here again is what the membership does um, and um, so you have, it gives you um, live access online or in person. If you're a member and you live in the Dallas area, you can't email me and ask to be in the studio audience. You can't just show up, but you can be in the studio audience. Email me if you'd like to do that at, at AmericaCanWeTalk at gmail dot com. Um, um, and then you have um, the uh, sorry, I'm. I'm trying, answering something else okay giving you live access online in person weekly members only shows every thursday online at american committee talk is the only way to watch the thursday shows Um, offers you the opportunity to be part of the q a the question and answer with me um, or our seller show guests on thursdays and i'll tell you our guests so far have been Todd Benzman, fabulous um, source at the, um, uh, who is working at the border, a huge expert on the border and the way that the uh, criminal cartels are, are taking advantage of our weak border. So we had Todd Benzman, had Alan West the next week, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. You probably all know him. People got lots of chance to ask him questions. Rafael Cruz, the dad of Ted Cruz, and also in his own right, an enormously successful, popular conservative speaker uh, tomorrow on this show, we're going to have a gentleman named on the Thursday show named Aaron Reitz, R-E-I-T-Z. He is someone, he works in the Texas Attorney General's office and he wrote an, a, an op-ed at Newsweek that went viral that was a basically um, talking about how the Biden team, the Biden team and their changes to our American military policy have resulted in uh, not just being unnecessary and wasteful of, of military resources, but actually dangerous, weakening America's military. That's the, the guest tomorrow. You have plenty of time to join right now before tomorrow and tune into tomorrow's show. Um, but the reason I do this allows access to Members Only Thursday and, and the Members section of our website. You can watch all the past shows there. It defrays the expenses of keeping the show on air, allows us to be commercial and sponsor free, helps protect conservative voices and views from the growing censorship in America and I want to just leave it up there Matt for a second forget the next page um, I just want to tell you what one a great quote Scott Adams uh, whose name you likely know he puts a point out I want to share with you it won't be long before consumers of ad based news media are seen as mental slaves to ridiculous narratives while the consumers of subscription-based news are the only free thinkers remaining to preserve our system. And I want to, I'm going to talk about that more in a moment, but the second page of this slide I sent to Matt, I also want you to know what I sent to him is kind of how to submit questions for the Thursday show. So once you've joined, you can submit questions for the Thursday shows to me or to our guests. Just submit a question, email me at americakimmetalk at gmail.com. Use the subject line, question for a Thursday show about. Email the question, or you can join America Can We Talk, our family texting group, and text in a question. You go to the texting system, your text messaging, on the two line of your text, enter 53445. In the body of the text, type America. That's all you do. Don't put a period, no punctuation, just type the word America and hit send. That joins you into our family texting group. Then after you receive our welcome to the family reply. You can then text a question. Again, you use your text the question to 53445 and the body of the text type as the first word, America. Again, no punctuation, no comma. So it should look just like this. So your question would look like this. America, do you think we should finish a border wall? That's the way you can send in a question. You can send those questions ahead of time. You can send them during the show. Matt the Wonderful is sitting there with our texting thing up, watching for questions to come in. That's how you can submit questions. And I wanna make one other point then about why I think all this is so important to do, why to join. We had a um, business in Oklahoma contact us and say, you know, we wanna sponsor your show. We love your show. We had a whole deal worked out. And then we came to a week where I had a show about COVID. And on this show about COVID, I used the numbers coming from the CDC, Not someone's speculation. CDC numbers and put them up, saying, "Look, these numbers are saying cases are going down." It had a whole bunch of great and people in the in the states where they do not have mask mandates were doing better than the people in the states that do have mask mandates. I mean, straight out factual. That show got taken down by YouTube. I got suspended for a week, and the sponsor person in Oklahoma who'd want to sponsor the show called to say, hey, what, why'd your show get canceled? I said, well, it's just suspended for a week. I tell him the whole story and, and he you know, backed out. And I'm not mad at him. I understand. But this point that Scott Adams is making is really important to understand. As the left continues to pummel any voices who dare to disagree with anything they think, anything they say, as those voices continue to pummel and, and work into silence, because we're not talking about just social media silencing people. We're not just talking about Facebook and YouTube and Twitter. We're talking about corporate America. So corporate America, as we've been, I've been telling you about on this show, corporate America strives to keep the left happy leftist pressure corporate America, so now you have American Airlines and Delta Airlines complaining about a perfectly legitimate, completely non-racist election integrity law in Georgia. You have businesses, I mean, you had those 100 businesses we talked I talked to you about, all on a call, on a call put together by some Yale professor to talk about how to punish Georgia for passing a completely reasonable election integrity law and how to punish the people who support that. And I'm telling you people, we're getting to the place in this country that the way you get intelligent, conservative viewpoints is to to subscribe to the shows you like. I bring you Truth About America every day. I happily admit if I make a mistake, I will correct my mistakes. But I bring you truth about America from the perspective of someone who wants to hold on to America, who does not want to surrender America, which is what the left is actually asking America to do, to surrender the very idea, the very foundational premises and promises of freedom of America. That's where the left is headed. If you like this show and you appreciate the show, you learn from the show, please consider becoming a member $50 a year is get you all the shows every Thursday all year long or $5 a month. The shows are rich and fun and they're a conversation. You can be part of it. Okay. I'm done with my membership pitch. One last thing I'm just going to say, because this is a big day, I think that most talk shows ended up focusing entirely uh, on the Chauvin case and the Chauvin jury, as you know, yesterday, if you're listening, I kept trying to drag it out, see if I could get uh, the show to announce the verdict. And right after we the show ended yesterday, the verdict came down. and I just want to say a couple of things about it today, and I'll go back to it, I'm sure, many times, including next week. But the Chauvin jury, this is again, police officer Derek Chauvin, was found guilty of uh, the, all three crimes which he was charged. He was found guilty of second degree murder, third degree murder, and second degree manslaughter. So he's now, fa- he's in, actually, he's in a, um, a high security prison. I think he's in solitary, but in any case, he's off uh, in prison. And the only things I want to hit on today, and I will expand on many of these points later, but I want to just make a couple of observations. It was almost, I mean, when all of America saw that video, saw the nine plus minutes, which this officer was pinning down a guy who was already um, handcuffed, pinning him down the pavement, with his knee and his shoulder wherever you want to call it was and his face in the pavement that was very brutal to watch i i have no problem understanding why the jury would find him guilty that conduct seems you know just just reprehensible and excusable and and so i understand completely why the jury would convict him i have no problem with that outcome i do have a problem with the effort of the american left In the form of the media, the uh, politicians outside the courthouse, the Black Lives Matter protests, essentially interfering with that trial, essentially sending in the message, this guy better get convicted or all hell is going to break loose. This isn't how we do justice in America. We don't do justice like that. That's my first point. We don't do justice by force. Now, some people like Maxine Waters and others who backed what she was doing would say, well, they had to be there It's the only way to get justice in America, the only way otherwise there would be justice. I don't buy that, but I think they would excuse their behavior by saying that. But I want to hit a couple other really important points. Just because Officer Chauvin was white, and the person who uh, the uh, person being arrested, who eventually lost his life, George Floyd, was black, does not mean that the incident itself was racist. It does not mean that America is a country filled with systemic racism. There was no evidence of racism in that entire trial. There was no evidence that the motive for this officer, who clearly exceeded appropriate behavior, but did so because of race. There was no, I mean, it was just an assumption, a presumption, but just, there was no evidence of race. And what I want to get, want to get at is, the left uses incidents like this to foment the division they already wanted to happen in America. The left uses incidents like this T- the politicians on the left, the media on the left, the communist, Marxist funded Black Lives Matter and Antifa groups, they use incidents like this to push the agenda they already wanted. They want America divided. They want to end America the free, America the, f- the founded on the founding ideas of America. They are exploiting this incident to get to the political end they already wanted. And so you hear President Biden and Vice President uh, Kamala Harris saying last night and again today, basically things like, well, we have a systemic racism in the problem in this country. We have a systemic racism, the problem that just must be cured. And now we're going to dive in. And the entire systemic racism agenda, the entire critical race theory agenda is a fantasy. It is a farce. It is a concocted. Mission of the left that is designed to create division and hatred and designed to tear apart the very fabric of America That's why they fall back on those things because they were already on that agenda they already wanted to use those Arguments of critical race theory and systemic racism and all of that to destroy America as founded. That's what their agenda already was It is grotesquely unfair for Americans to paint with a broad brush every police officer in this country as racist just because a tiny minute portion of officers may be racist. It is grotesquely unfair to paint with a broad brush every police officer in America as you know, trend, tending toward, trending toward uh, brutality, being being out of control, being too violent. The vast majority of police officers in this country work in a noble, hardworking, and brave profession every day to keep Americans safe. The fact that Officer Derek Chauvin was convicted—I have no problem with his conviction. The fact that he was convicted does not in any way change the fact that the vast majority of officers in this country work every day to do the right thing and save lives every day and keep communities safe every day. The left is trying to draw in all of America, trying to take a response, make a response to the Chauvin trial and the George Floyd death to make the argument all policemen are bad. All policemen are racist. America is an inherently racist society, we've got to go back to the 1619 Project, we have to go back to painting all of America as racist, and you have to understand what the left is saying, this critical race theory argument, and this whole uh, white privilege argument, and the critical race theory argument, They're calling their fellow Americans with a broad brush, their fellow Americans who happen to have white skin, they're calling them all racist. You have to understand that is the agenda. We can and we should learn great lessons out of this incident in Minneapolis. The police department did stop using that particular hold that Officer Chauvin was using on George Floyd except when there's no other choices left and officers life is being threatened or some some extreme standard like that. We may want to make but you know I I want to look at the things that gave rise to this incident. How about the fact that George Floyd had three times the amount that we lethal of fentanyl in his system. Where is the outrage about the, that situation that got him to that point that he was so high on fentanyl that he was agitated because he was high on fentanyl, that he was afraid of being arrested because he knew he had fentanyl and he didn't want to be arrested. He would already had eight criminal convictions, I think been to prison seven times. He didn't want to have that happen again. Where is the outrage at the fentanyl distributors, at the fentanyl manufacturers, at the people in the southern border who are allowing fentanyl to pour over our border because they won't enforce it? This is, we can draw a lot of good lessons, like we, we should do a really, really good job at preventing drugs in our society, preventing fentanyl from coming across the border preventing its sale, stopping its manufacture. We can learn lots of good lessons, lots of good lessons. But the lessons the left are trying to teach you and teach America are all officers bad, all white Americans racist, America itself is a racist country, we live under a system of systemic racism and deeply horrible, horrible repression of all people of color, and those things are lies and the left uses their lies, those lies for the agenda they already had in mind. It's up to the American people whether we let them let them draw the lessons they're trying to draw from this incident and use those as an excuse for the policies they already wanted or whether we stand up and say corrections can be made, some officers need retraining or need to be fired or maybe need to be prosecuted. But the police are an overwhelmingly good force in this country. The country is an overwhelmingly good country. The vast majority of citizens do not deserve the labeling the left is putting on them. It's up to us, the Americans, who understand and can see what the left is doing to fight against the way they want to use this case in their furtherance of their mission to destroy America. I will talk more about this, but I am way out of time. So... I'll tell you, at the end of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started today's show at the very beginning, talking about Sheriff, the welcome to Florida. What a great, great, great welcome that was. Governor DeSantis stands for freedom, um, are drawing Americans to move to Florida, blasting big tech censorship and privacy intrusions. Defying unnecessary, unjustified COVID lockdowns, denouncing vaccine passports, signing strong anti rioting legislation. Sheriff Grady Judd, what a great name. Sheriff Grady Judd of Polk County, Florida, offered plain speech to newcomers. Don't bring your bad voting habits. If you don't know the difference between peaceful protests and riots, we'll show you. And Florida will have law and order. If you don't like it, don't move here. No wonder Americans are moving to Florida in droves. DeSantis should inspire red state governors to lead with courage. And the Chauvin jury has spoken. Officer Derek Chauvin found guilty of manslaughter and second and third degree murder. An understandable verdict. Nine minutes nearly impossible to explain or excuse. Political and media pressure on the judge and the jury was inexcusable. May overturn the verdict, but I don't think so. There was no evidence of racism as a factor in Floyd's death, just very bad police behavior. The left's obsession with propping up systemic racism is obscuring real problems. George Floyd had three times the lethal dose of fentanyl in his system. One reason he was struggling to breathe And was agitated? Where's the outcry at fentanyl makers, dealers, and traffickers? Some police may need retraining or removal and even prosecution, but most are brave and good. Systemic racism did not kill George Floyd, but leftists use incidents like this to push their pre-existing agenda, to divide America racially, to keep Americans angry and agitated, and to justify their disdain for America and their agenda to fundamentally transform America. Don't abandon the police or America because of any incident. And that my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time.
1: America, can we talk truth about America?